0: I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Everywhere I go lately, people tell me that I need to interview Eric July. It doesn't matter what state I'm in. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. I was at Tim Pool's place uh, not not so long ago. He said, you got to talk to Eric July. I said, okay, I got to learn about this guy. So I look up Eric July, also known as Young Rippa 59 I had already reserved young rip of 58, which is why he had to go to 59. Uh, He's got some really, really terrific commentary, in particular on the entertainment media and specifically about comic books. But this guy is a man of many, many talents. You you also may have seen him in the Thomas Sowell documentary, which is really terrific. Thomas Sowell, common sense in a senseless world. (laughs) So we're going to try to make sense of this senseless world. Eric, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you having me, Michael. Thank you so much. So I need you to educate me about a topic on which I am entirely ignorant. And this is the topic of comic books. I won't, I won't say that I'm entirely ignorant. Here is what I know. I only know what I read in the news that all of a sudden comic books, which I thought is just a fun thing that people, you know, either people with a very specific interest or, you know, people growing up, they read them, they keep hiring radical leftists to write them. In particular, there's that guy, Tan Nahisi Coates, who I think may be the single most overrated writer in America today. I'm the guy who wrote a book without any words, and I think that this guy is way, way over, overrated. So tell me, I mean, is this just some strange coincidence? I mean, what, what is going on behind the scenes in the comic books?
1: Yeah, it's not a coincidence at all. It seems like within the last uh, decade, um, I would say more so in the middle of the of the twenty ten you started to see this big time like cultural shift, and in, in terms of who were writing th- these books. Now, often you'd get people that were already part of like the comic book culture, like you mentioned, kind of it is niche. It takes a certain kind of person to even write and be knowledgeable on these uh, on these characters. Definitely the, of the Marvels and the DCs and mainstream comics. And at some point, like the 2010s, they shifted and rather seemed to focus on hiring people that were more so fitting a, a particular social or political view. And this is why you got guys like Ta-Nehisi Coates writing, uh, unfortunately, Black Panther, one of my favorite uh, uh, characters, and he had no business being anything near that project, that intergalactic Wakanda or whatever weird thing he would himself doing. To me, it's the worst run of Black Panther that we've ever got. But you can check the receipts on that. Ta-Nehisi Coates, there's no evidence even that he was, was even like into comic books uh, prior to being hired as a writer for, for Marvel Comics. So those are the types of hires that, that we're getting. Guys like Ta-Nehisi Coates gets a literal award with the Harriet Beecher Stowe Award for Social Justice. I'm pretty sure that has something to do with why he fit that position. And they seem to try to cater to people and bringing people on to write their projects writing for people that don't read books, right? It does have a specific demographic, an already established demographic, and their sales are really really hurting. And you're seeing that because of that, because they have focused on social uh, views and political views as opposed to actually entertaining uh, their their audience. And this is why, why right now, for example, in America, in the West, for the first time, I believe, ever, the MBD book scans read that uh, the Japanese comics, the mangas, had uh, the top 20 were all mangas in America. Mm. uh, The the top 20 sales were all manga uh, because that's where people are going to get their more like kind of comic book hero based uh, sort of material. They have just completely dumped a Marvel and they should be embarrassed, but it doesn't seem like they are because they keep doubling down.
0: Well, this is one of the problems that I think conservatives are grappling with right now. So you look at the numbers, you look at book scan, Americans are not buying the American comics anymore. They're buying the Japanese comics. So What I think a lot of conservatives, what we've told ourselves for the past few decades of insane leftist aggression on the culture wars is we'll say, look, eventually the almighty dollar is going to win out. They're going to put out really bad stories. And eventually, because they're not going to have any sales, they're going to be forced to go back to, to producing, entertaining, normal content. And I keep waiting and I, I keep waiting for it from the movies and from, I don't read comic books, but I would be waiting for it from the comic books. And it just doesn't happen. So is it, are they just willing to take the financial loss to push the woke ideology?
1: I think that's exactly what it is. And I think look, they, they did cater to a really flaky audience. I think that stuff kind of works a little more for the um like the I guess the movies. Uh, film, TV shows, way more than it works for something like the comic books. Mm. But uh, they are more, I guess maybe it's Twitter, maybe it's the Instagrams of the world, and they're more like signaling to that kind of weird, bizarre audience, which does not even represent a significant portion uh, of the population, at least not of actual customers. Um, and yeah, they they just when you think they can't get worse, you see, again, and I, was, I believe that was April, top 20, you think these comic pros would be looking at that like, okay, we got to pivot. We have to pivot. We cannot just keep putting out this dog crap. And then I was just reading the other day, uh, they put, for one odd reason, they made Electra Daredevil now. Daredevil's no longer a guy. Uh, Electra's Daredevil. And they, she's being lectured by some like trans person about other bull crap that has no it's so out of character for not only a lecture but just that's what they're doing is pride month they're trying to signal and do all of that stuff so yeah they keep doubling down so i do think at some point the pendulum's going to swing but what will it take it's hard to say but things like dc and this was what a lot of comic book fans feared not myself necessarily people that are way smarter than me they feared once it went mainstream Mm. Mainstream and use that in quotes. And I guess they got tied to these mega corporate entities. Yeah. They could take that loss a lot more than what they could back mm. back in the past. So they're willing to take it. Probably guys at the top aren't even seeing it. We know they're not making money, but you know how Disney works. Disney can can uh do 10 projects, one of them can succeed and they'll be it'll fund the rest of everything it is that they that they do. So they can take the hit because they're not necessarily answering directly to the customers. Uh, like other like more smaller entities have to so that's the one benefit that they have they can continue to take those losses because they're able to make up for the losses elsewhere but it'll we'll, it'll be interesting to see there's been plenty of rumors and, and uh, that maybe uh you know it was AT&T I believe owns DC now they're talking about selling that stuff off and we'll see how long Disney keeps a hold of it cuz the only thing that they can make money off of it is maybe the movies and even those are starting to take take a uh, starting to take a downturn in the merchandise but that's about it as far as the books don't be surprised if at some point even Marvel or or uh, excuse me Disney or AT say you know we're not even going to put these out. We may do reprints or something like that. But you guys aren't making any money. But they, it doesn't sound like they're in the business of actually making money.
0: Well, this is a problem throughout the corporate media. It's true in the news media. It's true in the movies. It's true. You know these these entities are very often owned by much larger corporate entities who don't really care. You know if if the wokesters in the executive suites want to push a message, they they just don't really care about the relatively small amount of money they're going to lose and that I, I do think it's been a big problem that conservatives basically have thought that the most important issue to people they wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the, of the night thinking about some marginal tax cut and an occupational licensing reform I like those things I'm not against them I'm just saying other other uh, impulses move men's hearts and minds now I, I, so I'm totally on board for fighting in the culture taking back the culture using our political power to do it the thing I can't get that into is the comic books. I just, just as a personal mat, it's just a preference thing. Do I need to pay attention? Is the fact that these comic book characters are going totally woke is that actually going to have tangible effects on our society, or is that one area that I can just ignore? It's a niche interest, and
1: uh, I'll focus elsewhere. That's a great, great question. I think when you look at, for example, what. Uh, like, for, for example, Hollywood in the last 10 years, I think you you can't really ignore it because you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, for example, they were just pumping out billion dollar films like mm. it was going out of style. Yeah. Um, and that is that that's that's influential. And uh, you, you're right in terms of conservatives, libertarians. Uh, this is something I've been trying to shake their shoulders on, not necessarily with the comic books, but also with the other things that I do, whether it be with the music stuff and everything else. I'm saying, yeah, we have the arguments on the, our, our side. But is that good enough? I don't think so, and this is what a lot of uh, uh, the left give. I have to give them credit. They played the long game, and there was nothing off limits for them. Mm. Nothing. It, I say if it was the more more influential that it was, they was like, all right, let, let's get a hold of it, and they played the long game. And I think what you're seeing now is the, the the effects, especially over the last last year, when you can't turn on. I can't even turn on a video game without seeing Black Lives Matter uh, on, on freaking soccer game or something like or like FIFA. It's nonsense. Like I, I don't I don't play video. I, I'm supposed to. Get get away with that. But I think the left had benefited from both libertarians and conservatives thinking that those are trivial things. Like yeah. it like we don't people don't care about that type of thing, but it's a very influential thing especially when it comes to like younger generations. That stuff that they they have their nose in so often that's something that they're intrigued by. And and I'm like you in the sense that there are other subject matters that I simply do not care about, but I can't deny if they are important and if they are influential. Definitely if someone is able to be more like they can communicate in whatever subculture it is that they are in. And I think that's if there's going to ever be a tide shift towards liberty, people that actually value liberty and private property rights, that's where it's going to happen. It's not necessarily, I believe, politics. I believe that's more so on the downstream. You change this and people's minds and hearts starts to change. And then- maybe that manifests itself in other ways. Maybe it is in a political sphere, maybe it's somewhere else, but the left, they have everything because for a very long time, both libertarians and conservatives, neglected a lot of that. And we just simply didn't think it was as important as what it actually was. And this is why so many of these, like these younger folk, they, they, they got them in. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is that they pump out. They walk right hand in hand with them. And uh, yeah, they listen to them.
0: That's right. You, you may not care about the culture, but the culture cares about you and i know you know people do this a lot with the pronoun issue we'll say should i call bruce jenner he or she and we everyone gets into big debates about this and uh, some of the more squishy conservatives they'll often say who cares right it's the same thing on the comic books it's the same thing on all these aspects of the culture oh who cares uh, the left cares. <laughs> the left seems to care quite a lot, which is why they're losing a lot of money pushing these messages. They're hiring these radicals like Kanye's coats. They're hot. they're really focused on it because they know that the culture can carry whole premises through to it. But I wonder. I wonder if part of it is conservatives have just and libertarians have just ignored it and they just don't really care that much. But also. What would we do with the power if we actually knew to wield it? By by that, I mean the left has a very specific vision of society. America is evil, racist, sexist, whatever. You know, it's all sort of terrible stuff. We got to tear it down and pull down statues of Washington. Okay. What is the conservative response? What is our substantive view of things? Do we have one or is it just that we can't really agree on anything? So the only thing we do when we have power is temporarily cut taxes a little bit.
1: Yeah, see, that that's always the the question that I think is very difficult for people that, again, no matter what it is you call yourself, it's just if you value liberty, like what's next? Obviously, you brought it. I mean, I, I believe that stems from obviously the Marxism it is that they that they advocate, whereas there's anything that exists. Uh, they want to make sure they tear it down and build it up in a way, or build it back up in a way that they they envision it, this sort of anti, anti-property rights, uh, more radical, egalitarian, I use that term loosely, egalitarian so- sort of approach where we're all like equal robots when well, we know that's absolutely not the case, but let them tell it that that's what they believe. I think this is why like I, I was focused so much on like decentralization so much, because if anything, if there's anything else to focus on, because you're right. I do believe that there's a lot of people that value liberty that are on different sides of just different like subject matters. They they they, they differ so much. And it's like, OK, I just want to be left alone. Right. right. The left doesn't want to leave you alone. And this is why they they, they get the power. And they're like, look, I, I, we we are we're here to destroy. And they're, they're pretty blatant and pretty honest about it. We just want to be left alone and we want other people to just be able to go about their life without being able to either be aggressed upon and obviously them not having the right to use aggression upon upon peaceful people. And this is why that has to stay at the top. If you are in any sort of advocacy position or really in any position of influence, it has to stay at the top and you have to be loud. And, and unfortunately, a lot of conservatives seem to lose sight of that, even the ones that you know focus a lot on, okay, I just want to own the libs and stuff like that. I mean, I get it. But is that actually going to work us towards a more freer, a more prosperous society? Right. And this is why decentralization is such a focus of mine, because it's like we're not going to agree on how this power needs to be wielded. So at minimum, if we can try to, like, get I don't know, get rid of it. So where we don't have Nancy Pelosi and these other quacks out of that there in Washington, I've made this argument on the blaze every, every day that I'm there. I'm less about arguing with Nancy Pelosi about who should be in her position. I want to pull the rug from up under her so she doesn't have any sort of of influence so they can't make the decisions that it is that more so impacts our life. This is why we get so uh up in arms. So maybe we have to change that part of the power structure as opposed to just wielding it and just all right, look, focusing on, yeah, we may get a tax cut here, we may get a tax cut there. But it has it has to come with uh, mountains of like corporate corporate welfare and all sorts of things that we're funding. They compromise definitely we see this with a lot of even the conservatives, they'll compromise on or oh, well, the re- Republicans, compromise on certain things. Okay, we'll give you this, this and that, portfield bills. trillion, let's devalue your money in the first place. And we don't really work towards liberty. And that's what has to be kept in mind. I wish I would, I would love to hear or see rather Republicans actually keeping that at the forefront of what their advocacy actually is. The term that I like to use is that they tend to campaign like libertarians and then govern like Democrats. I would love to change that.
0: Well, there's this strange I don't know if it's really a paradox, but it, but it is a, a strange circumstance that s- at least since Reagan, at least since Republicans have really embraced, as you say, the kind of libertarian language on the campaign trail, th- they actually have... Uh, Put, put forward some policies in that direction. Uh, you know, they've focused a lot on economic deregulation. Okay. And the, the Democrats, I find, since around the same time, maybe a little earlier, have focused a lot on social deregulation. You know, you can sleep with whoever you want. You can kill a baby in the womb. You can kind of do whatever you want. Uh, and so, you know, in a weird way, they've both kind of deregulated. And yet, as you rightly point out, we seem to be in the most centralized, <laughs> powerful yes. government, you know, maybe in the history of the world. So how does that happen? I mean, how has a, a process that I don't think is just totally disingenuous? I, I think they actually have deregulated in certain pretty noticeable ways, but how has that deregulation then led to a, a more powerful centralized government? I, I can't make sense of it.
1: Right, and, and, and it's I think it's because they they're not focusing on the I guess the power more so in itself. It's more so okay. I'll take this slight victory here. I'm on this. It's more topic to topic, and I'm not. I'm not against like single issues or focusing on people have their expertise and stuff that they they actually value, and I think that's a valuable thing that people focus on whatever it is that they find as the strengths or something that it is that they care about. But what happens is they lose sight of what the actual like core principle is, and mm. that's liberty. For example, this is why I don't take leftists serious when they complain about, let's say, things like police brutality. That is not anything to take serious from them because they have no problem with the cops whooping up on you any event, any event that it's for something that they want to to advocate for, which is why they're like non-existent any event, or they'll be like uh, contradict themselves, like we saw with the whole January six uh, thing. They're doing vigils and all of this yeah. for that lie of uh <laughs> right, right. Of Brian Sicknick being beat over the head with a fire extinguisher, which, was of course, turned out to not even be true. Yeah, but that's the type of stuff that they do because for them it's it's less it's not necessarily about the deregulation it's more about what can we do to destabilize uh let's say what exists right now so we can actually capture that power so this is why even though they claim to be okay like even with the drugs they like to think that they're the party against the war on drugs which is bullcrap but they like to think that but it seems to always lead like to what you said more centralization. That's because liberty isn't really on their focus. It's more single issue, single issue. What do I have to do? Or what do I have to advocate to become prominent and to get the power? And when you don't focus on the private property right element of what it is that we're we're discussing, then yeah, you're gonna lose sight of that. And this is what we have right now: big, bloated, centralized. Uh, uh, mess and unfortunately, it's ruining a lot of people's lives.
0: Well, and you've totally hit the nail on the head on this power struggle. I notice even on the the issues where they talk about liberty, you'll notice. They never really mean liberty in the way that, you know, a conservative person would talk about it. They mean they mean licentiousness. The only- They're they're not really interested in the liberty to tamp down your appetites and govern yourself and exert political control. They only talk about liberty in like shooting up dope or something. Liberty is the kind of degrade us and take us out of our
1: heads and so-degeneracy in anything.
0: That's right, yeah. I mean, these and these are things, by the way, the founding fathers explicitly said. They said, do not abuse liberty to licentiousness, it's a bad idea, you're gonna lose your self-government if you do that. So, so they do this all. All the time. But then I wonder, do conservatives need, and I wonder this, I, I, you know, this is sort of a thesis that I've put out there. I know it's very controversial, but do conservatives need a substantive vision? Meaning what we've tried to do, I think with the best of intentions is, is nothing. And what I mean by that is, you, know, you get power and you say, I'm not going to regulate. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, we're going to let people make their own decisions, leave them alone. And then the left won't leave anybody alone. And the left won't let anybody be left alone. And it's just not going to happen. So, you know, a, a Republican wins and, and we basically freeze the culture. And we say, okay, we've got sort of a break for the next two or four years. And then the Democrats win and they push the culture to the left. And then maybe a Republican wins and we freeze it again. And so, you know, if you, if you follow that process, we're going to be over the cliff on the left and, uh, and not, not too far
1: into the future. So how do, how do we reverse it? How do we, how do we go in the other direction? Right. And, and this is why, you know, I, go, I know Malice and other guys use the whole, well, this is what they like progressives going to speed limit is yeah. more so what it is that you're that, yeah. that, that that you're saying. And this is what what frustrates me so much, probably the most about a lot of Republicans that are in the positions of of power, because often they're never on the offense right always right. on the defense they're always on the defense and even when it comes to something as fundamental like which is where libertarians conservatives we all agree we value the uh, like gun ownership gun rights the second amendment they only get on the offense when they think that a democrat is taking it to them so we got for example i'm out i'm out in texas and you know we got governor abbott who calls himself trying to basically make texas a a, a, a sanctuary a, a city in terms of the second amendment what took you so long? Like why, why all of a sudden are you now on, on, on the offense? And we've seen it. It's more so when that, like I said, they're more about owning the, 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 the libs It's more mm. so taking it to them and being against them. And this is what I called about the election. I said, don't be so frightened to really think that they're just going to get this power and do whatever it is that, They want they'll attempt to do. But what you're going to see is a more offensive Republican Party, uh, or at least the ones that, you know, semi value liberty. You're going to see a more offensive Republican Party because now they can at least make the excuse that, well, we're trying to stop them or we're trying to take it, take it to them. Uh, In some way. So what the what people that if you desire any sort of political power or whatever it is, you have to be on the absolute offense. But just sitting there and thinking, well, I'm in this position will be in on the defense uh, for as long as my term is isn't an effective thing. And you've seen that leftists get in power and they're like, I'm implementing whatever it is that I can. And maybe this conversation, maybe it won't happen right now, but I at least get the conversation started in four or five years uh, from now. Something gets implemented and, you know, we're moving. It's not moving towards liberty. It's moving to the absolute opposite way. So they have to get on the offense and stop. Uh, more so being reactionary and waiting for them to do something, the leftists do something. And then uh, people that are in power, be poli- uh, libertarians or conservatives or whoever, they're like, okay, now I'm going to do something. How about do something all the time?
0: You know, that you've hit the nail on the head here, especially with this pun, offensive. And I think of Trump who goes on the offense and he is offensive. <laughs> he says offensive things, <laughs> but, but it is important. I'm not saying people need to be impolite. I'm not saying they need to be cruel or anything like that. But Trump calls it like he sees it. And he doesn't engage in these sort of abstract ideological things from a, at a think tank somewhere. And he and crucially doesn't accept the left's premises. He, goes, he launches his campaign. What does he do? he comes down the escalator and he says, look, we got foreign nationals pouring into our country with crime and drugs and it's ruining communities and people hate this country now. And I'm not going to let you, do. I'm going to hug the American flag. He literally would hug it. He'd kiss the American flag. He'd say, look, I don't care about your kooky theories. We're going to stand up. We're going to get better trade deals. We're going to bring manufacturing back. You think we can't? I think we can. Look, looks like we can. And you know, it's, it's such a, he always had the Democrats on the back foot. He always had them reacting to whatever he tweeted. That's why they had to kick him off Twitter is because he was setting the narrative. And I guess this actually brings us right back to our first topic. The left, with few exceptions, maybe Trump is the one exception, the left sets the narrative, right? The left decides the terms of, of what we can say, of how we behave, of even what we think. And we're
1: all left just living in their world. That's, that's a, I mean, you put it about as perfectly as it, as it could be. And that's why I've I've said about the Trump phenomenon. It's less about the policies with him, whether you feel like, you know, obviously me not being a big, not being a fan of him or, or others. I said, that doesn't matter. The thing to focus on with him that anybody of any uh, that that is in a political sphere can take from that is the fact that he at least controlled the conversation probably for the first time. If we want to be realistic, you mentioned since Reagan, maybe since then that they actually control the conversation. So the leftists were reacting based upon everything it is that he did, as opposed to what they had been doing classically and back to really what they're doing right now. And that's being on the complete defense. So that's something that people can learn from what I love for those policies to be at. I mean, top liberty more than everything. Of course, that's what it is that, that we want. And that's the perfect storm or rather the perfect world. We have someone that 100 percent values uh, liberty. I'll take 90. 90 uh, percent values liberty, but is also on the offense in trying to bring about that in, in our world and really within our lifetime, because this is something that, that that we want. So we have to stop reacting based upon what the what the left is doing. This is what I've been saying with, for example, people that value liberty, like, say, in the cultural space. The number I've thrown out there is 51 percent. Fifty one percent is all I ask of people to go out of their way and search for people that are in these subcultures because we're here. We're here, in these subcultures and use 50 percent of your time. Uh, uh, money. Uh, the, the good stuff, not the corny stuff that, yeah, there's people that are making alternatives that aren't really good but think they should be supported just because they create an alternative. No, yeah. there are people that actually do good stuff. And I think with 51% of people just going out their way looking, instead of being reactionary, go out of your way and look for this material that's out there and then you'll start to see the pendulum, the pendulum swings because right now, really, they're able to get away with what it is because, well, and everything it is that we do, we accept them as like the norm. That's why they have the entertainment sector and we accept it has to be Star Wars, it has to be DC, it has to be Marvel, it has to be Star Trek and they've ran all of those into the ground and they control them and we have to, unfortunately, we got to say, look, they got them. They they have them. Maybe we should be looking to uh, certain alternatives to try to get the pendulum to swing back.
0: That's great. I love your point that We can't make corny stuff. You know, there's so much corny stuff on the right. I think I can't watch it, man. Yeah, it's, you know, really, uh, we're we're here, you know, at Daily Wire, moved to Nashville basically to make movies because there was Mm. so much less regulation. Taxes were a lot lower. It really gave us the freedom to make stuff. And I think so many of us just want the freedom to make stuff. And, you know, you've reminded me in your discussion of liberty. The left always redefines the words, right? They always pervert the language. That's how they redefine the culture. And Mm -hmm. nowhere is that truer than on liberty. They, They define liberty. You know, the founding fathers had a pretty decent definition of liberty, and people, John Locke, for that matter, had a, yep. a real, it was a, li- his liberty, you know, you had Locke, you had uh, John Milton, sure, and Burke, I think, expressed it the best, you know, this kind of ordered liberty that lets everybody flourish, and it's just a really civilized, great way to live, and the left has just totally perverted that, flipped it on its head, as they have so much of our language, if they have so, so much of our culture, and so, okay, uh, we've thoroughly depressed everybody. Is there any hope? I mean, in a really nuts and bolts way, how do I walk into Marvel or, or DC tomorrow and I say, hey, I have no idea what your product is, but I want to uh, I write it now. <laughs> I want to take it back. How, how do we reclaim these, these institutions that the left has, has taken from us?
1: I think there's, there's two ways to attack this. Great question. First and foremost, there are a lot of people who reach out to me, definitely because comic books are the main thing that, that, that I cover. I cannot tell you the amounts of, uh, of artists, writers, Mm. who have reached out to me a lot of the prints that you see ones on my wall i won't even point to which one it is but a lot of the prints that i get are directly from the artist it's like i love Mm. that poster that is of this what did you get that it was signed and everything the artist sent it to me the artist sent it to me and they're like well this is more like an undercover thing because they don't want to end up like gina carano and it's like well I, i i agree with a lot of what you say it's crazy this industry but i can't see it i get that with music my band backwards we go on tour we see drummers and whatever of other bands, man. We love what it is that you guys say. We can't say that. Uh huh. Yeah, you can. And until y'all do it, nothing changes. Now the other side is, I guess, on the on the customer because we got people that valued liberty got too comfortable and we we neglected it, and we were just like, okay, if I like it, I see it. I'm I'm, I'm not even going to be mindful of who's creating it. I don't care. And unfortunately, they make money off of off off of the people that value liberty because of that. And then they win awards and then they get on award show and tell you how much they hated you because you didn't vote for the right person. So this is why I'm, I'm not as though I know I talk about the bad a lot. I'm not necessarily pessimistic because just as quick as it got bad, it can get better. But what it does require is a conscious effort for people to go out of their way and seek this, this this information instead of just relying upon what the people that have already gained their control, what they put out there. we talked about Twitter and the, the trending topics. All of those are fake, bought, all of that stuff. It's, it's not organic or anything like that, but they'll put it in your face and have you thinking that it's legitimate. So what people have to do is, is go out of their way. This is why I said 51%. I can't expect you to just stop together. wouldn't that be nice if people just said, okay, if it if it's owned by these crazy uh leftists, I'm not even gonna support it. That'd be fantastic. But I I think that's a little unrealistic. This is why I just say just slightly over half of, of your money, time, and effort and, and, and revenue investments going towards people that are involved in these these uh these subcultures that it's not about them, let's say, being a libertarian, being a conservative or something like that. It's more of them, I don't know, not hating you, Yeah, <laughs> you know, instead of instead of supporting the ones that do. So just as quick as it did get bad, it can be, get better, but it just requires the customers to think differently. And I know because we have the ideas on our, on our side, we'd love to be in a perfect world where well, that didn't matter, but they have already drew the line in the sand and it is what it is. They've made it abundantly clear that they will take your money, and investments, and then tell you how much you suck. So let's try to change that and go seek out those people who who are the actual creatives and the people that are the creatives that are already, let's say, maybe with those mega entities, out yourself, out yourself, and it's got to be on the customers to go catch them.
0: That's right. That's That's the key. It's not enough to say, hey, Eric, hey, I... I like what you said, but I can't, I don't want to, you know, no, you know what, you know what is even better than getting invited to the fun party or getting the promotion at your woke corporation? You know, what's even better than that. Integrity. Having integrity is good and having a, a good, thriving, flourishing, free country with good, a good way of life. That, that's important too. Eric, where can people find you?
1: You can find me, of course, uh, YouTube, YoungRipper59. Um, Also, Eric D. July, if you want to get links to everything. I know I do a million things at at once. So you can catch me, of course, over there. And we do 4Canon uh sake let's say every day 12 p.m uh on the channel you can catch that as well and obviously doing news and why it matters and everything over at blaze this has been awesome by the way uh michael and i appreciate you know you you having me on like i said i audience, we cross paths a lot and i think it's important that we do have these conversations so they they know that we're locked in
0: oh pleasure is all mine i'm so glad you could come on don't forget you can find me at YoungRipa58 and then because that one was already taken, you can find Eric July at Young YoungRipa59. Eric, talk to you next time. All
1: right, man. See you soon.